0: On this Sunday, within the octave of Christmas, where we Catholics understand that we can't celebrate the joy of Christmas in one single 24-hour period, so we cram it into eight days. We spread it around. I like to tell children this. They can ask their parents for extra gifts. There's eight days of Christmas. Get it. You don't have to do that. But on this octave day, on the, within this octave of Christmas, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Family. And the beauty of this is that in our gospel, we understand the reality of that holy family. A lot of times we have these pious kind of thoughts about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and the rest. But what we learn in this is that the holy family knew what tribulation was. They knew trials. Our Lord Jesus Christ was born into poverty. Mary had to travel by foot or by donkey for a long distance while nine months pregnant. Then they went into exile. A king was trying to kill their child. Then they came home, had some years of peace, but then eventually our Lord Jesus Christ was murdered. An innocent man was murdered. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Blessed Mother, Saint Joseph, they understood tribulation in this world. You see, my brothers and sisters, this is why on the night before our Lord Jesus Christ died, he could say to the apostles, in this world you will have tribulation, but in me you will have peace. We have the same theme in the prayer after communion today. So after communion, and I say, let us pray, uh, we'll say this prayer. Bring those you refresh with this heavenly sacrament, most merciful Father, to imitate constantly the example of the Holy Family, so that after the trials of this world, we may share their company forever. Now, all of us face trials in our lives physical, spiritual, emotional, social, financial, any and all the rest. This is a world filled with tribulation. It should be no surprise to us. But what we Catholics sometimes can fall into, especially here in America, is this false gospel that is preached at times, this false message of Christ and Scripture. It's something called the prosperity gospel. It runs along this idea that, well, if you at least love God enough, or if you just had the faith, then you'll never be sick and you can cure cancer and you'll never have any problems in this world if you just loved God enough. We see this most often with televangelists. If you just send in enough money, you'll be healed, you'll be cured, your life will be great, you'll get more money, all the rest. That's not what Christ came to preach. I think that we can honestly say that Joseph, Mary, and the Christ child feared God the most above all other human beings ever existing. They lived in poverty. They were never rich. They lived in exile for a little bit. Yes, indeed, they knew peace and love, but it wasn't a worldly thing. You see, my brothers and sisters, Christ didn't come to bring and usher in a new kingdom of this world in which we are comfortable. He did not come to make us comfortable in this world. Brothers and sisters, he came, as he says, very often to bring fire, that he would set us aflame. No, we're not made for comfort. He came to conquer our hearts first and foremost. That's where his kingdom dwells. And when individuals actually turn their lives to our Lord Jesus Christ and let him be the true king of their lives, then he breaks into families through those individuals. And then by healing the family, he then affects society. We can't change that order. Our Lord Jesus Christ took on flesh. He is a real human person. He entered into a family, and through that family, he sanctified those around him. He expanded that family with his apostles, so on and so forth. The world is transformed through individuals who love Christ, who are part of a family. So my brothers and sisters, on this Feast of the Holy Family, how do we welcome, how do we usher in that kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ into our own lives? St. Paul gives us some good advice in our second reading. Paul tells us to put on the bond or the yoke of charity, that we should let the peace of Christ control our hearts, and that we must learn forgiveness. Something that can be very difficult at times. But you might be asking, okay, well, those are some nice things to do, but where does a family start? How do you begin that process? Or what if you've gotten a little astray? How do you bring it back? Well, I think that many of our problems and difficulties in our society today especially can be solved through a three-word sentence in that second reading. And be thankful. Now, it's easy to be thankful around Christmas at times because we're getting presents and families here and so on and so forth. We can be thankful for the easy things like shelter and heat on a day like today where the snow is blowing around and it's cold. But true gratitude goes further. To be truly gracious, take your spouse. I'm sure there's many things about your spouse you can be thankful for. But can you go to the extreme of gratitude and be thankful for their faults, their weaknesses, the ways they push your buttons? Can you be thankful for your children and the ways that they disobey and try you? Children, can you be thankful for your parents the rules and regulations they impose upon you. You see, it's easy to be thankful for the things that it's easy to be thankful for. But when we're challenged by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross to be thankful for the hard things, ah, that gets hard. You see, your spouse and their faults and all the rest, let me clarify something. I'm not saying just be okay with these things. We shouldn't just sit by and act like people's faults and weaknesses and sins don't matter, our children's disrespect is okay, not at all. But where we start, can we be grateful for that reality? Your spouse's weaknesses and faults are heroic invitations to patience, to gentleness, to kindness, to compassion, to charity. Can you be grateful for that holy battleground in which you are sanctified? Your children and how they try you at times is that same place where you can learn what true charity is. Learn what compassion and kindness really are. That when your parents impose rules, no matter how old you are, can you see in those rules and in those regulations the order of God himself? How he orders our lives towards him at all times. Now you see, my brothers and sisters, the reason why I say we have to start with gratitude because that's the only place we can start to learn charity. So often when we then go to admonish the faults and failures of our spouses or children or people that we know, it comes from a place of bitterness and anger and resentment. And that correction goes nowhere. We must admonish each other. It's one of the works of charity. But with what spirit do we do it? I can argue from my own experience that if we first start with gratitude, we will then understand the work of God in the midst of the trial. We'll then see it in the midst of charity, and when we go to admonish, I guarantee you it'll go far better. For example, at times there's people that I really struggle with, or there's situations that are difficult. I've learned to start being thankful for those aspects of the person or the situation that I really can't stand because they're inviting me to get out of myself. They're inviting me to do something that I'm not used to doing. Inviting me to patience, to charity, to to gentleness and mildness and the rest. And then when I go to admonish them, when I go to correct the faults, when I go to teach or whatever it is, it comes out of a spirit of joy and a spirit of charity, not anger and resentment. Can you imagine how this would change family gatherings how this would change certain aspects of our culture, we still correct faults, but out of a different heart, out of a different spirit. So here's your challenge during this Feast of the Holy Family when we have a lot of time where family spends time together. I challenge you to write a list each day if you can. It's something that I've picked up over the last couple of months. Write a list of things you're grateful for. Be specific Don't just be like, well, I'm grateful for, you know, the world and God and love and family. Those are good things. Make it more real, more tangible, something that sinks into your heart. Make that list, and on that list, start to add the faults and failures of your spouse or children. Or maybe the hardest invitation of all, write on that list a gratitude for your own faults and failures. Oh, happy fault that gained for us so great a Savior, we sing on the Easter Vigil. I started doing this being thankful for my own weakness. And it's amazing how much more patient and gentle and compassionate I am, not only with myself, but with others. Because I see in that God's invitation to mercy and to heroic love. So my brothers and sisters, on this Feast of the Holy Family, For what are you thankful? How do you order your life to God? Can you see in everything that you face, especially the trials and the tribulation that comes to you daily, something to be grateful for? For what, my brothers and sisters, are you grateful for?